0: Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today, we are going to be doing week two of our series Psalm 23. We're going to be spending four weeks going through Psalm 23, which is a bit of a drag, it's only six verses, um, but last week we did the first three verses. Today we're gonna to spend the whole time looking at just one verse, which can be verse four. So I'm gonna read the whole chapter to us cause it is so short, and then we're gonna focus right in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're focusing on verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So this is a pretty strange one. So we read here and it's kind of like, I guess because I guess we don't get to experience the psalm in, in the Hebrew language, so we don't appreciate the rhyme and the artistry. I feel like when they're being translated, sometimes we try to tend to overcompensate and try to make something more artistic than it actually is. So it doesn't really talk about um, the valley of the shadow of death. It talks about the deep, deep, dark valley. So that's how the word would be taken, like the deep, deep, dark valley. Um, I guess the idea of the translation with saying the shadow of death is the idea, you see this whole psalm is written from the perspective of a sheep going through life with their shepherd. So he's talking about the goodness last week of he makes me lie down, sprawl out is better translation. So it's like the sheep is sprawled out in the green grass, absolutely loving it, having the time of its life. And besides still waters, he restores his soul. And now, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because you see, sometimes in life, I don't know about you, but sometimes to get to the green pastures, to get to still waters, you have to go through the valley. And the thing with this passage is, is that sheep, they graze. And after a while, that field is done and you have to move to the next one. And so with David, he's talking about this sheep and they've had this experience where, oh, it's been this great season where we sprawled out in the grass. We've had this great season where the water is so slow and the water is so accessible. But now it's saying, even though I walk through the deepest, darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So the idea is, and often in life what can happen is, You get those situations where you just cannot see ahead of yourself. You get those situations where you can see like, almost like you can see no further than your your nose or your hand. You know those days where you wake up in London and the fog is just so, so thick. It's like you can't see ahead. You don't know. Or you have those times where if you're not in London and you're out in the country, it gets so dark, it's like you cannot see where you're going. You cannot see what direction you're heading in. You don't know what's coming next. When you're driving in one of those country lanes and there's not those lights all the way down, you can have fog lights on full beam if you want. It's still so dark, it's like you can't see what's there. And for this story and this this, this psalm that David's writing, he's talking about the sheep and he's talking about it from the point of view that as you lead the sheep into the valley, what happens is you bring them into a vulnerable, fearful place. Because in the valley, if you think about it strategically and from a battle perspective, when you're in the valley, you're most vulnerable. Everything above you can see you perfectly, but you can't see or assess anything above you. If you're in the valley, what happens is all the predators for sheep, I mean, there's a long list of predators that will kill a sheep, but there is not anything really a sheep can do about it. And so this sheep, as it's walking into the deepest, darkest valley, it's the valley of the shadow of death because it's like death is looming. It's like the fear and the anxiety of not knowing what's next. There are times in our lives, whether it be financial, whether it be with a relationship, emotionally, we don't know what's next. It's like death is looming over that thing. Whether it's financial ruin, whether it's a relationship, whether it's decisions that we've made, whether it's things that we haven't made, but things that are happening to us, it is literally like the shadow of death. is just cast over us, and it's like living in a state of your impending doom. But this sheep, when it goes into this valley where it's deepest, darkest, and this not being able to see ahead, not knowing whether the flash flood is coming where you have to run up the sides of the valley to try and survive, or not knowing whether there's wolves ahead, not knowing whether there's lions, bears, all those kind of things that sheep have to worry about. The psalmist says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David knows, being a shepherd, that the sheep become so accustomed to their shepherd and their culture and the way that they raise them, that they they start to trust completely in the shepherd. He said in the last part of the psalm we looked at last week that they want for nothing. I don't want for anything. I don't lack for anything because you are my shepherd. You provide for me. You make me sprawl out in the greatest places. And because of the way and the history and the relationship they've had together, and that even when the shepherd has done things which the sheep may understand to be cruel, it's always been for its best interest. And so when it comes to approaching this valley, there is this complete trust in God. Now the problem that happens for you and I is it depends on what type of a sheep you are on how you would respond in this circumstance or situation. Not every one of us is is a sheep that's close to our shepherd. For some of us, we could be on the fringes all the time. Like I'm just a part of the number of sheep that are here and I stay out on the fringes because I don't really want to do what I'm told. I want to go where I want to go. And sometimes we can be on the fringes. Other times there's sheep that are so close to their shepherd and so this sheep, we know, is one of the sheep that's definitely close to the shepherd because it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love it, you are with me. So I was reading The Independent online yesterday, Apple News. Love looking through Apple News. It's great just to see the things you want to see. And there was this story. This is what people say when they die, according to nurses who care for terminal patients. There was one nurse called um, Louise Macy who said, A patient many years ago who was dying And they were semi-conscious And they actually said they were happy to die Because they'd had a glimpse of heaven And it was wonderful And they weren't frightened to die Though I walk through the valley of Shaddai I will fear no evil For you are with me And then it says Your rod and your staff They comfort me One of the comforting things about God For the Christian Is the fact that he has his rod and his staff With the staff You have the hook And he grabs it around the sheep's neck And it brings it in line to continue with the rod, the shepherd turns into a ninja or a samurai that is so sick of Taekwondo. That's with the sticks, right? And just spins it around and takes animals out and beats them down and kills them. And so for this, the sheep's perspective, it's like we're going through the valley of the shadow of the I'm not afraid because I'm close to you. And I know that if I go off track, your staff is there to bring me around. Your staff is there to grab me round the neck and lead me and keep me near you and keep me safe. That your staff is there to guide me away from any of the hazards that may be around me. And your rod is there so that I know if anything comes our way, you're gonna take it down. And for David, this Psalm I guess is really apt for him because David, when he spoke with Saul, he said to Saul like, listen, I'm not worried about that uncircumcised Philistine out there. Like he may be dense, he may be big, he may roll deep, but I need you to know, Saul, that when I was a kid looking after my father's sheep, I don't care if a lion comes, I don't care if a bear comes, I don't care if it has got my sheep in its mouth, I'm going there, I'm smacking that thing down, and I'm taking that sheep out of its mouth. And that's the kind of guy that David was. That's the kind of king he was, that's the kind of shepherd he was, that's the kind of man he was. And in this passage, you can see that as David's singing this song, as he's writing these words, from the perspective of the sheep this sheep knows and has seen the type of shepherd he is and when he talks about the Lord is my shepherd which we explored last week how that's almost a derogatory term with the low standing of what a shepherd is David and the sheep in this psalm identified that the Lord is someone who risks everything for the sheep that it's not like oh it's just a sheep allow it that lion's hench we will leave it he goes in and he takes what's back but they have no fear because God is with them the rod and the staff the rod protects the staff helps us get from one place to another which leads us me to like a kind of a i guess a topic which is a strange one so Christians often we call ourselves disciples we call ourselves disciples of Jesus and we talk about discipleship we talk about followers we're following Jesus we're following in the way people the original Christians in the New Testament would talk to them, call themselves not Christians but people of the way because they were following him. They had a strong rabbinical tradition that they all embraced within the Jewish community and it was going out into the wider Greek Hellenistic cultures. And so when they talk about disciples and when you and I talk about disciples, you talk about very different things. And here's my example of that. So when we go to church on a Sunday, what we generally go to do is we go to gather together with Christians that are like us that share the same views of us where we reaffirm our predetermined and predisposed ideas of what Christianity is and what it means to live it out here and now. That is never what this place will be. And it's never gonna be any of the talks that I ever say. It's never gonna be anything I say. There's nothing predetermined about it other than God's glory. That's predetermined. But how you and I experience it and how it's worked through in our lives is never predetermined, never. You make a complete hash of your life, I have, loads of times. Like there's been no smooth track where I've just followed in this same thing. I've gone all over the place. I've lost sight of the shepherd. I've been somewhere up the mountain thinking I am absolutely screwed right now. And then the next thing I know, the rod, the hook, of the staff comes around the neck and it guides me back down. Or those times where I'm being devoured and the shepherd has fought for me and he's taken care of me and he's looked after me. When we think about the term disciple, we always think of, of following. And when we think of church and we think of messages, we always think about reaffirming preconceived ideas and, and perception and concepts. But actually that's never what being a disciple was throughout the whole of the New Testament. It never meant that. What it meant was, it meant a learner. So the idea of a disciple is someone who has their L plates on. That they are not licensed to drive the car called life yet. They are not to be behind that wheel on their own. They need need assistance. So I come to my life and I still have today my L plates on. I don't think God's authorized me to take them off yet. I have to drive with those L, the green ones, saying I've just passed. I'm kind of probably about there if I'm anywhere. He may never let me take that green one off because he may deem me too much of a risk. But when we meet together, we, we, we haven't come together to sustain 16th century theology. One of the things that I think saddens me is that it's 500 years since the Reformation. And when I looked at, at Twitter and I looked at all the different churches that have associations with reformist theology and ideals, I was really waiting for them to suggest the great new Reformation that needs to take place. But none was. They were still harping on about then. And then I realized how irrelevant they were. Absolutely irrelevant. They could have been talking about, that's amazing that we had that and we experienced that and we celebrate that tradition. But today we need to see racial equality in churches. We need to see um, uh, gender equality. We need to uh, be at the leading edge of how we talk about sexuality uh, within the community and how we uh, love and serve and exercise grace. None of those conversations are happening. They're talking about Luther. And I'm like, if Luther was alive today, Actually, I, I don't, Luther's a bit of a man, loose cannon and kill people that disagree with him. But if he'd grown up in our society, he might have been nailing a different set of reasons on the door saying, you know what? I'm not too sure about this. And then all people were saying was they were going, there are still churches out there that take money for forgiveness. Oh, we haven't still done the job. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I couldn't have been more discouraged we still need reformation today. But the reformation that needs to happen is one where Jesus is rabbi, where Jesus is Lord, and today needs a new voice. The idea that God has spoken and is no longer speaking for me is, is redundant. In Jesus' time, a disciple is a learner, one who is open to change. So when we talk about open-minded nowadays, a lot of my friends go, you need to be more open-minded. And then we need to be more open-minded to a predisposed idea that they have closed their minds to everything else for which for me is an open-mindedness. But a disciple, what they did was they weren't just open to the idea of change. They were open to the idea of change when they chose to be a disciple. When they chose to be a disciple, they were committed to change. So before becoming a disciple, they were open to the idea of change. Now they've committed as a disciple. They're saying, I'm not only open to change in my life, I am committed to pursuing change. I'm committed to to pursuing my own personal reformation. A person who is truly actively seeking what it means to truly be alive. So a disciple is someone who is pursuing what it truly means to be alive and is not just open, but committed to changing everything they can in their life to be more alive than they've ever been before. That's what a disciple is. The disciple walks with God by living out what his rabbi is teaching him. So the question for you and I today is, well, what does this have to do with sheep? Well, the shepherd teaches and guides the sheep in the way that it is to go. It also disciplines the sheep. It also protects and fights for the sheep's survival. I wanna suggest that actually, how much of this you experience depend on how close you choose to be to God. So if you choose to walk closely to your shepherd, you will feel the staff around your neck yanking you in a direction, constantly. If you're close to him and you're doing the wrong thing, you will feel the rod hit you. It will, it will happen. It's happened to me loads of times, but it's a comfort to you that if you're going through the deepest, darkest valley, to feel that God is still guiding you is the greatest thing you can experience. To feel the discipline in the place of isolation where you feel that death is looming looming, is not a bad thing. That is God looking out, keeping you safe for what he can see, but you can't see. And also that rod, is there to comfort you because it will protect you from those things that you can't see that are there to do you harm and to destroy you. And so when we look at this story, we're looking at the valley and the shadows. We're looking at a God who is with us. We don't need to be afraid, but we need to start taking comfort in some things that we often perceive as bad. They're not bad things. People may have used these things badly to cause us harm on God's behalf and that is a bad thing and that is not okay and that is never okay. But when God directly to us, guides us or disciplines us directly, that is always a good thing. Take comfort in it. The times in my life where God has disciplined me and I have absolutely hated it, but it brings me comfort on the long journey. It lets me know that he's still there. So when the psalmist is saying this, the way the rabbis look at it, it's like a parent that's at home and a kid is taking a cookie from the cookie jar and they feel the smack on the back of the hand. There's a good side to it. Ah, oh, mum's home. Mom's here. There's a good nature to being disciplined by the Lord. It means the Lord's home. It means the Lord's with you and he's close to you. The question you and I have is purely how close we're going to choose to be to the shepherd and the blessing that comes with it. That no matter how unseen the trials may be to you and the uncertainty you may experience, there is peace and there is certainty and security in the fact that the shepherd is close to you that he's here and he's near. And as disciples, I want to encourage us to choose to follow Jesus, but as a true disciple, not one who's open to the idea of change, but one who is committed to change. Not because some person's telling me, but because Jesus is my rabbi, because he is my good shepherd. And I know that even though I can't see clearly, he will lead me, he will guide me, he'll protect me and he'll discipline me. And that these things will be for my good. I'm gonna pray for us and then that'll be it for today. Mommy. Father God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. Mommy. I thank you, Lord, that even though we go through the deepest, darkest shadows in our lives, I thank you, I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Sometimes, Lord, we don't appreciate the feeling of what it means to be, to be guided by you or to be disciplined by you. But actually, when we look back, we see the beauty and, and the graciousness from you. I'm not talking about other people who wanted to discipline us, but you, your grace, your mercy that empowers and leads us forward. May we be people and agents of change in your kingdom that actively listen and actively talk and have the conversation with you about where we are going, who we are, what we should be doing, and how we can bring about a better community, a better society, a better family, better friendships, and better activities in all our spheres of influence. Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about city hill please visit our website cityhill.london